Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. So here we are with uh, another episode of the Traveling Image Makers Podcast. And today we are here with uh, with an old friend of us, Darlene Hildebrand. Hi, Darlene. How are you doing? Hi, Hugo. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, and uh, you were a guest on the show. I, I was checking the dates and it looks like it was pretty much exactly one year ago. <laughs> so, oh, cool. So happy anniversary to us. <laughs> happy anniversary. It's, it's great to have you have you back here. And uh, on the other side of the continent, well, more or less, uh, we have Ralph Velasco, who is uh, driving, or actually, I hope, Ralph, you are parked somewhere. You were driving between uh, Indiana and Illinois, or somewhere in the vicinity. So, hi, Ralph. How are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm really well. Yeah, I'm uh, driving from uh, north northern Indiana. I'm in, <coughs> excuse me. I'm in South Bend, Indiana, where, where Notre Dame University is, of course, and uh, driving back to Chicago. So, uh, we've had our 4th of July holiday weekend as we're recording this episode so i'm heading back so the darlene you didn't celebrate the fourth of weekend being canadian you had your canada day a few days ago i guess that's right canada day is july 1st and we had our 150th birthday this year yeah cool did did you do you do fireworks um, I didn't. No, I, I wasn't feeling. I was feeling a little under the weather that day, so I just uh, took it easy, and it was a it was a Netflix day. <laughs> no, no, but, but I mean, uh, generally, is it a country thing? Yes. Nothing to shoot fireworks. On, oh yes, we have fireworks country. everywhere. Yes. Cool. So, as I was saying, we we had this episode that was uh, one year ago, and uh, I think a lot has happened between uh, then and now. So, uh, first of all, just the. Uh, for people who don't know Darlene Hildebrandt or didn't listen to the previous episode, we have lots of uh, of new listeners. I would just like to uh, remind everyone that Darlene is the creator of uh, Digital Photo Mentor, and uh, she has been a professional photographer for over 26 years and a photography educator since uh, 2011. And she provides uh, articles on her sites as free ebooks uh, and also offers online photography courses as well as photography travel tours and workshops, including upcoming tours to Morocco uh, and India in 2018. So, Darlene, what's, uh, what's new with you? What, what happened during this year? Well, if you follow me on social media or read my website, you'll know that I went to Colombia in January and my intention was to go there for six weeks to to study Spanish and immerse in the culture. And um, I had a little mishap. The first week I was there, I slipped and broke my ankle. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) So you had to cut your trip short, right? I did not quite of David Dushman type epic no. disaster proportions, but it was bad. it was it was not pleasant. No, 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 I can't imagine. But uh, I mean, you were uh, you were treated well. I I hear uh, David Dushman had the opportunity to experience our national Italian uh, uh, health <laughs> services. <laughs> yes, yes. They, they work pretty well, I think. How, how are the Colombian ones? 
It was, there was excellent medical care. The clinic I went to was brand new and um, I was on a, a walking tour that day of the city and they actually covered the doctor's visit, the x-ray and the um, splint that I, they put on my legs. So all I had to pay was $20 for, for crutches. And um, yeah, it was excellent medical care. I have to say, uh, really impressive. Darlene, excuse me, if I could uh, interrupt just a second. Can you talk quickly about uh, travel insurance? Did you use anything? travel insurance or you say that the walking tour company gave you you know uh, sure yeah Mm -hmm. i do i do carry um well i carry a couple of different things for myself personally i i carry travel medical insurance and we have an annual policy my husband and i which covers us for up to 60 days um consecutively out of the country so if I'm going to be longer than 60 days, we can just pay an extra fee and top it up. Um, when we were in Nicaragua for 10 weeks, we just paid a little extra, and that covers any medical care and so on. Um, my husband was in Peru a year and a half, almost two years ago, ended up in the hospital <clears throat> and had to have surgery for blood clotting in his leg and, and blood clots in his lungs, and they covered all of that. So you really need to have travel medical when you go anywhere. Um, so I have that for myself, and I actually didn't use it on this particular incident because, I mean, it caused me almost nothing. Um, I ended up paying for a second visit, x-ray and cast and um, for medications that I purchased and it cost me around $500 but it wasn't really worth it to make a claim because the um, deductible is $200 and for $300 I'm like I don't want to do all the paperwork Um, but something I highly recommend and then for my tours I I personally have liability insurance um, for anybody that we're bringing along with us you know, um, covers, uh, covers my own butt basically in yeah. case something happens. Yeah. Very important, I guess. And so it looks like uh, Latin America or, or South America is, uh, is not really that uh, lucky place for you between you and your husband, <laughs> your, your, your ratio of your dose of uh, misadventures there, but you still keep going back and you will be I do. going back to Colombia again. And you've been to, I come to other countries like Peru, Nicaragua, and Cuba. So, what's the what's your fascination with with uh, South America or Latin America in general? What's so great well, about it? I would say about ten, exactly ten years ago, I went to Peru with another lady. It was an opportunity I had to go along and assist her on a tour that she was building. It was not a photography tour. It was a ladies' spiritual tour of Peru. And um, Peru wasn't even on my radar, but I had the opportunity to go and sort of be her photographer and her assistant. And it changed the way that I looked at tours, and it actually made me want to do tours. And I fell in love with the, the country, the people, the language. I took We took a Spanish lesson as part of that trip, and I, I've been taking Spanish ever since. And it's just um, I really love the whole culture. Um, of course the food is amazing in Peru as well so that doesn't hurt (laughs) yeah Uh, but we all know I mean we all know Peru because of Machu Picchu and uh, those women in those colored dresses and and hats and so on and we all know Cuba because of all the the photos that we see from that place we don't know much about Nicaragua actually photographically speaking I know and uh, well we, we spoke at length about that in our last conversation, uh, because you have some um, some things going on in Nicaragua, but photographically speaking, what, what's uh, what's about the country? What is so interesting? 
Um, I mean, I think there's similarities between all of the Latin countries in terms of of a Latino style, but everything's a little different. You know, their their way of life is very laid back, as most Latin countries are. Um, the joke in Nicaragua is it's Nica time. You know, it's like Cuba time. It's kind of it'll happen when it happens. So um, it's a very laid back way of life. The people are very relaxed. And in, in terms of photography, I think it offers the same opportunities, but it's it's a country that's not overly run with tourists yet it's becoming more known it's becoming more popular you know it's kind of like people say it's the costa rica of 10 years ago you know before everybody knew it was popular so it's a little bit less expensive to go there um you know like a you can have a um uh, a drink, a uh, uh, Nica Libra or a Pina Colada or something for a dollar and a half versus, you know, you might pay $3 or $5 in another country for the same kind of thing. So um, it's it's economically really good. It's, um, it's, it's as interesting as all the other Latin countries and the people are, they're, they're not used to tourists being around. So you don't get that sort of, you know, I want to take your photo. Okay. Give me money thing that you get in some of the other places that are really overrun with tourists. So do you want to maybe mention if you're still involved with uh, uh, communities and NGOs in Nicaragua, uh, just briefly, otherwise people can refer to episode 33, where we spoke at length about that. Yeah, I still have connections there. Um, I've taken a step back from from the group that sounds like we lost Ralph. <laughs> I've, take, I've taken a step back from the group that I was I was working with, um, and they're continuing on, partly just because I've got so many things going on. But I still have friends there, and I support them on a on a one to one basis currently. Yeah, cool. So as, uh, we'll repeat that again. Episode thirty three of the podcast. Uh, we had a. Uh, Lengthy conversation about those activities in Nicaragua are very, very uh, inspiring uh, episode, I think we had. Good. So, uh, the other question about uh, Latin America is, uh, is the people. And we all love mm -hmm. seeing, as I said, those uh, uh, ladies in colored dresses and uh, the, the people of Cuba and so on. Are, are there people in Latin America generally open to be photographed in the street by travelers? Uh, uh, how does your experience compare to other countries maybe? And uh, what's your approach towards the people in, uh, in Latin America? Do you ask for photographs? Does it help to, to know a little bit of Spanish? <laughs> I think it definitely does help to know a little bit of Spanish. And um, that's something that we actually do on our Nicaragua tours. We give our tour participants a little Spanish lesson um, because some feedback from our previous groups was that they would like to communicate with people. So we teach them some basic phrases. And one of them is, you know, may I take your photo? Because I think, I think it's good to know, you know, even, even if you don't speak the language, you can still use your actions, you know, point at your camera, smile, that kind of thing. And if somebody doesn't want to be photographed, they're going to indicate. So, um, you know, verbally, or they're going to shake their head or something like that. But for the most part, uh, I think in Latin America, people are really open to, to being photographed um, more so than other countries, I think, uh, compared to the other end of the spectrum, which is, you know, I just came back from Morocco in, in April. Um, it's very difficult to photograph people on the street in Morocco. They don't like to have their photo taken. They want you to pay them. Um, you kind of have to tip people to pay to take their, their photo. And um, we we do a lot of things like we'll hire models and, and pay people to pose for our groups because it is a bit harder there. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing or they just have a really lot of tourists in Fez and they get tired of 
have cameras in their faces. Um, but that is not the case in Latin America. I don't think I've, I can recall less than five instances where anybody has ever said, no, don't take my photo. You point a camera at them and they just turn and smile right back at you. Um, in fact, Kids, I mean, the kids love to have their photo taken and the parents have absolutely no problem with it. Kids will come running and flock in front of your camera. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, so you, you say you don't uh, get a lot of requests for money from people in, uh, in Latin America because I was reading an article just today where somebody said that they get a lot of, well, they, they didn't actually say they get a lot of requests. They say it's common for people to ask for, for money for their photo to be taken in, in South America, and that didn't actually jibe with what I heard from you or from others. So uh, what's your... You don't get that a lot, right? It it, it depends where you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're in Havana and Cuba in the in the very tourist center in old Havana, then and you go to photograph the ladies with the big cigars, there's three ladies that always sit in the same place and that's how they make their living. So, expect to pay them. Um, but for me, I take a different approach and and we do with our groups as well as we tend to, you know, we go to see the main sites and we go to Havana, but then we get out of Havana and we go to some of the smaller centers like Binyala and Trinidad where you don't get that experience right um, because it's Trinidad is still fairly touristy but you're you're more able to photograph people freely and they're not they're just posing for you and I've had the same experience in Cusco and Peru as well there's ladies that are on the street and the in the traditional clothing you know and they've got the llamas and they're weaving and and they're they're actually set up like that so that they will pose for you and you pay them and that's how they make a living. So I think there's a balance between, um, you know, being able to photograph without having to pay, but then also realizing that if people are doing this as their livelihood and that's how they make a living, just like somebody would if they're a musician on the street, you know, if I take a musician's photo on the street, I will give him a dollar or two dollars or whatever, because that's how he makes his living. So I think it's, it's fair if that, if, um, Again, like I said, a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I would absolutely pay like a, a musician. That's uh, that's why he's there. It, I think it's just fair to do to do so. Exactly. Um, and if if I might add too, I mean, in in some countries, especially like in Nicaragua, they actually have notices up. Um, you'll find it. It's funny in the bathroom when you go to the bathroom. They have a in the stall. You'll see this information about sort of. Um, children in Nicaragua because poverty is a huge issue it's one of the poorest countries in Latin America and what they say on these posters is not to give children money because what happens is um, the dropout rate from school there is very high after grade six 60 percent of kids leave the school because if they can make money other ways and one of them is begging they won't go back to school so by giving the kids money you're actually showing them hey you can make more money doing this than going to school and getting a job so it's actually really bad in in some cases is to provide children with money. Yeah, of course. And uh, as I said before, knowing the language probably helps in establishing some kind of rapport with, uh, with the subject. And you, uh, you went to Colombia specifically, or at least uh, in part for, for learning Spanish, right? I did, I uh, did, which is yes. Which not, not, not common. I mean, kudos to you because it's not common to ma- many North Americans uh, would not uh, think of learning a foreign language. So it's, uh, it's good. Um, Speaking of uh, North America, I know you will be going to New York soon to lead a photo walk there uh, with James Mayer, who, again, was uh, was our guest uh, on a previous episode. And I had uh, 
the the pleasure of meeting him in person uh, in Chicago when I went there for the Out of Chicago conference. Just uh, such a great guy. But you're you're doing this photo walk in New York with James, right? So can you tell us uh, more about it? Is it uh, is it a free event? How can people attend? It is free, and it, uh, right now um, we actually have a waiting list. We set the limit at 40 just because we wanted to have a small group, and we've actually filled it already. So if somebody is interested in attending, um, do put your name on the waiting list, and we'll have a look at how many people are on the list and let you know if, if you can join us, because there's usually some people that can't show up anyways. So it is free to join. We're actually going to do an evening walk, so we'll start later in the day at 530, uh, partly because it's hot in New York in August, and we decided to do more of a sunset walk across the Manhattan Bridge and um, take photos of the sunset as we cross the bridge and over into Brooklyn, looking back at Manhattan. And what's the date? Uh, I'm going to have to check my calendar <laughs> on that. I believe it is the uh, 28th okay. of August. August 28th. 2017. We will put a yes. link. If you have a page, we'll put a link in the sure. show notes as well. I will do that. And, uh, I always love attending photo walks if I have a chance to. Um, if I go to, to a city, I don't know if they're... First of all, I always try to, to get in touch with local photographers and maybe just see if they can... They're free to go out for, for a drink or, a, or dinner and, and just shoot something. Of course, everybody will, will bring a camera, which is not exactly an organized photo walk, but it ends up being uh, mm-hmm. walking around the city with cameras in hand. It's always helpful to, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree with that, to, to go with a local photographer and maybe discover uh, places that are a bit off the beaten track. Uh, and I know James is an expert on uh, on not very well-known, undiscovered locations in, in New York, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big, big um, supporter of photo walks, and I used to actually do, um, a couple years ago, I did a monthly photo walk in my own city just to, to get out and be with people. Exactly like you said, it's it's great to be around other people who are interested in photography. And when you're traveling, you know, if you can either coincide your trip to join a photo walk or, you know, look on meetup.com, that kind of thing, and or Flickr, um, even Facebook meetup groups, and find a group that's going out, or like you said, said, create your own, you know, meet up with somebody. Uh, I think it's a great way to see a city from a local's perspective, which is, like you said, what James brings to the table. Um, I've done a photo walk in San Francisco. That was one that was traded years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually got together with Serge Remily in Paris recently. He was in Paris and I was there and we just hooked up and went and photographed um, some blue hour together. So uh, that was kind of fun as well. So I do recommend recommend connecting and reaching out to other photographers in places you're visiting for sure. Uh, do you have any tips for people who want to organize their own photo walk because you, you've, you've organized some so um, things to look out for things to mistakes to avoid how to, sure. how to get the word out Sure. Um, James and I use Eventbrite for for um, tickets for ours. You don't have to charge any money, but it allows you to sort of put a cap on how many people come. Um, generally, 50 is, is a number that you want to cap at, I would think. Um, I know Trey has done some some huge photo walks. I think you've been part of a couple of I've those. Been part of, yeah, the, the one in Berlin yeah. was pretty big. 
<laughs> yeah, and I know he did one in New York that was quite large as well. And that, that's not something that I want to manage. And if you're just starting out, I would say keep it small. You know, even 20 is a good number to to um, limit. Uh, you can work with camera clubs. If you're not a member of a camera club, that's a good place to join as well because they often have photo walks. But I would say keep it to a smaller number that's manageable. Um, keep the route a bit shorter, like don't make it more than about two kilometers. Um, what's that about a mile and a half? Because I find that if you make it too long, I, uh, we're photographers, right? You know, we start walking and then everybody scatters and goes squirrel and then off they go to, you know, down an alley, right? So try and keep the route a bit shorter so that people can stay together. And I find um, if you have a little map that people can download, you know, as the starting place and the ending place, um, then if they get lost during the mat during the walk, just make a meeting place at the end where everybody's going to get together and have a coffee or a, or a drink or something, and then you can share your your images from the walk with each other. Yeah, my experience with photo walks is that people tend to get lost at times. So you you, <laughs> yeah. you start fifty people, and at the end you're about twenty, and you say, "Where did everybody go?" And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so having, exactly. Yeah, having a well-known place where to. Uh, gather again at the end is definitely something that I would recommend doing. Uh, and and uh, make sure people know how to reach you, whether you know it's on Twitter or they give, yeah. you give them your cell phone number to text you or something, so that if they do get lost, they can find you again. Yep, yep. I did my own small photo walk in Chicago for the out of Chicago. I only had like seven people coming because we had several photo walks at the same time, so mm -hmm. the people were a bit spread out. But we managed to to. To lose one person in the end, I don't know where he ended up being. <laughs> I was yeah, I have actually, I've actually done um, photo walks in Portland as well. Uh, I did a photo walk in Portland the first time I ever visited there. So I built a walk and I'd never been to the city <laughs> before. So I reached out to some photographers I knew on Facebook that lived in Portland, and I said, "Hey, can you, you know, give me a roughed out." Um, a map of what you would suggest. And I, I literally just went with what they said. And then we sort of, you know, meandered a bit from there, but, um, don't be afraid to try something. And even if it's not your home city, hmm. you know, connect with a local like I did and, um, partner with them to, to make the route. Um, I did a photo walk in Las Vegas as well as part of a convention one year too. So, um, Yeah, it's fun. It's fun building photo photo walks and, and seeing. It's interesting how you can have 50 people walk down the same street and there's not one image the same. Yeah. And if you go to a place like Portland, you said you've never been there before and you, you want to do a photo walk, even on your own, just uh, getting around the city. Uh, do you use any, any resources? Do you have any uh, things that you do in order to to find places to photograph or even the places that have not been photographed like a gazillion times. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's getting harder and harder because everything has been photographed. But for example, I found the, the troll under the bridge in Seattle, which is apparently a famous landmark. And, um, So I'll use like Google images. I'll look through things on Flickr, like you said, and um, either connect with a local or just plug in the name of, of the place you're going into sites like, like Flickr or 500px or even just Google and look at Google images because um, often if you map the place that you're going, Google will show you images that have been uploaded by people to that location, sometimes with geotags. So you can find some pretty interesting things that way. Um, 
I don't know if it's still active, but do you, do you remember that app that Trey had? It was uh, stuck, stuck stuck on Earth or something. Stuck on Earth, yeah. Stuck yeah, on Earth. I, I don't know if that one is still available, but that I've used that one in the past as well. Mm. And um, just some general apps. Uh, another one which is good for directions is, of course, Google Maps, but maps.me, which is you can download and use it offline. So if you're traveling and you don't have a phone package, and you don't want to use your data, Maps.me is a good app. It's free, and you can download the map for the city that you're going to so that you can look at it offline. And if the city has, you know, a transit map or an app for the transit system, I usually download that, that as well. I use uh, Street View a lot these days. The coverage is becoming more and more uh, wide, so it's uh, it's good to, to actually be able to, to pinpoint a specific place if you have in mind a specific perspective or a, a view and so on it's uh, exactly it's the, we have a lot at our disposal but sometimes i even like just uh, going out to to a place without knowing anything and just just trying to get lost which is n- not easy in american most american cities they have those grid systems where it's pretty much impossible for me to get lost <laughs> But in, in a place like Fes, Morocco, it's actually oh, it's very, very easy. easy <laughs> very easy. In fact, when we when we send our people out, we have a day where we we go out with the guide, and he we all go together, and we see you know certain things in the in the Medina, and then the second day, if people want to go out and wander on their own, we actually set them up in small groups of three with their own guide because we don't want anybody getting lost. So the guide is just there to bring them back out safely. Yeah. And I see a lot of people that do photo walks sometimes. Uh, I would say they waste a lot of time just uh, fiddling with the camera, trying to, to find the better settings, or even try to uh, figure out how to get a, a specific setting. Like, how do I change mm-hmm. my ISO? Stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I don't have much of an advice to give those to those people in those circumstances. Sometimes they will just come to me with a camera, I don't know, I'm, I'm shooting Fuji and they come to me with a, with an Olympus or a Sony or a Canon and say, how do I change the focus point? I'm sorry, I have no idea. So, uh, do, do you have any suggestions? Aside from telling people, well, you should learn how to operate your camera. <laughs> yes. Do you have any other suggestions that might help people in, in those situations? Sure. Um, I actually teach a street photography class here locally, and um, it's part of what I do on the tours as well. You know, I give people tips because that's generally what you're doing when you're traveling is you're doing a lot of street photography. Um, And the biggest thing that I tell people to avoid is the problem with most pictures that fail is the blurry. They're blurry because the shutter speed is usually too slow. And what I see happening a lot is... Um, they've heard that they need to use a low ISO, so they set their ISO to 100 or 200, and then they set their aperture to like f11 because they're not sure about their focus point. Maybe they're not using the single focus point and getting it right on the subject, and so they feel like if they put it at f11 and have some depth of field, they got they got their self covered. But what happens is then they end up with a shutter speed that's a fifteenth of a second or a thirtieth of a second, and then the whole thing is blurry because of camera shake. So what I actually have been recommending for pe- to people, especially for street photography, and um, James does his a little bit differently. He generally recommends shooting at, at f8. Um, I'm sure he talked about that with you. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I recommend that they put it on auto ISO. Um, a lot of cameras now, especially the newer ones and the mirrorless ones, my Fuji, I shoot Fuji as well, does an amazing job with auto ISO. Um, you can usually set the maximum so it doesn't go over a certain number, like I have mine set to 3200 at the maximum. And then you can set a minimum shutter speed. So what that means is that I set my shutter speed to a minimum of 1200 so that I know that with the lens that I'm using, which is a 135, at the long end, if I go to 200th of a second, I'm not going to get camera shake anywhere on, on my lens. So those two settings alone allow me to sort of forget about the camera settings and focus more on what's happening on the street, paying attention, looking for the moment. And um, I tell people that I look for I look for light and I look for interesting things that are happening in interesting places, right? And for it all to come together to make an interesting photo. I'll have to confess that I... Aside from when my camera is on a tripod or when I'm using flash, I'm pretty much always in auto ISO. Uh, if I'm hand-holding, I'm auto ISO. And I know some purists will uh, <laughs> will scoff at this maybe because they think, yeah, I should do everything manual, control everything. But it's uh, you, as you said, it, it works really well. And it's really important for me if I'm hand-holding to, to have a guaranteed minimum shutter speed. I agree. And I actually, mine is there a lot of times as well. And something that I teach my students, because I find that every photography teacher has a different methodology and, and some will teach their students that they have to use manual and convince them that if you're not shooting in manual, you're not a real photographer. And then they get this in their head. And what happens is they get so overwhelmed. Um, you know, people that have just bought a camera trying to learn everything on their camera at once is too much. So I tell them, you know what, shoot in program, shoot in aperture priority, shoot in whatever mode you need to get the picture. And then when you have some time, you know, like a photo walk or even just go out in your backyard in your house um, and play with your camera for 10 minutes every day and learn what does this button do what does this button do what does this menu setting do like you said and know your camera um, I had a challenge on my website I'll send you a link to it actually you can share it in the show notes of use use your camera every day and um, the challenge was for 30 days to to learn something new about your camera every day. And I had some comments on that article and on that challenge that was one person was going to buy a new camera because they felt that it didn't do what they wanted it to do. And then by learning some of the buttons, they, they realized their camera had all the features they wanted. They just didn't know how to how to use it properly. So they actually say I actually saved them like a thousand dollars doing this <laughs> exercise. Um, so I find that you know people are all too quick to. To blame the technology and oh my my camera's not working I need a new camera whereas like you said learning your camera and knowing it inside out being able to change the exposure information without taking it away from your eye you should be able to dial in the aperture the shutter speed the ISO without removing it from your eye um, and until you can do those things keep practicing I advise people to practice by putting the camera inside a bag and try to change settings without looking oh, at it. <laughs> good one, good one. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, when people come to a photo walk or a workshop and they have, it's too late to tell them <laughs> to do so. so exactly, to. and that's, that's not the time that you want to be learning your camera. Like no. I recommend to people, um, you know, if they're coming on a tour, for example, or, or joining Ralph or myself or someone on a, on a photo tour, um, even just your own vacation, don't buy a camera right before you leave and then go on vacation with it because you're not going to be familiar with it. You know, go with the one you have um, or spend some time like really learning it before you go on, on a trip with a new camera. 
Hey, Ralph, it's good to, to have you back. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess the, the connection on your car was not that great. So um, we were just about to um, say goodbye to Darlene to wrap up this conversation. And um, before we do, I would just like to, to, to ask Darlene, uh, do you have anything coming up, uh, some uh, workshops or tours or trips that you have planned? Uh, yes, we, we talked about Morocco earlier, and I know that's a place Ralph goes as well. Um, we seem to be following each other around, Ralph. <laughs> just, uh, just, yeah. miss, just missing each other by a couple of days. So we have um, Morocco coming up next uh, May, which is actually led by Daniel Korzanowski for us this year. Um, he talked to you a few weeks ago. Um, we actually only have two spots left on that trip, so I'll give you I'll give you a link to that page. So if somebody's interested in joining us in Morocco, they need to get on that pretty soon because it's almost full. And Daniel and I are working on India for November of next year. And then I've got a few other things up my sleeve. Um, I'm working on a workshop in Canada. So it'll be a five-day workshop in wine country. So I'm going to have um, five days where we uh, go and photograph the vineyards and taste some wine and practice processing our photos and have a really um, relaxed trip in a small, a small group, maybe only uh, six or eight people in British Columbia. Sounds more like a retreat than a workshop. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, what about you, Ralph? I know you have uh, something that you're about to, to announce, to launch. Yeah, yeah. First of all, sorry that I dropped off there. I think I uh, got into a hole here in Indiana, but I'm back. So, uh, yeah, I've got my, my new tour organizer training program is about to be launched, and the free webinar is July 20th. Uh, if people would like to find out more information about that, they can go to tourorganizertraining.com. So I'm going to be teaching people how to organize and lead their own trips, and they don't have to be uh, tours that are uh, photography-related like I lead and we lead. But uh, if anyone you know has other special interests that they're looking to teach people or if they want to organize experts in a location and just be the facilitator, they can do that too. And it could be... Uh, around the corner in your hometown or around the world. So uh, cool. great if people came out to organizertraining.com. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, probably use some of the information you will provide for the uh, tour that I've got upcoming to Oman, which we just, for which we just uh, announced the, the dates. It's going to be December 6th to 13th. 2017 uh, we'll put a link in the show notes we still don't haven't opened uh, bookings yet but we will probably do before the time this uh, this episode goes live uh, finally yeah Darlene where where can people go and find more about you online well I was just going to say as well I want to join you in Venice for your workshop I'm, I'll get there one of these days I promise I, re I will huh? that's on my it's on my bucket list you're on my bucket list Hugo great <laughs> so you can find me <laughs> you can find me online at digitalphotomentor.com and I'm on Instagram at dpmentor and Facebook at digitalphotomentor as well okay great uh, it's been once again a great conversation here and uh, I hope we all three will manage to meet together someplace on the road I don't know, either Cuba or Morocco or Venice or wherever. Chicago, <laughs> maybe I'll see you next year in Chicago, Chicago. I maybe hope. next year in Chicago who knows. Yes, I hope so, Sounds great. 
So, uh, great. Thanks again, and all the best for your next trips and uh, enterprises and adventures and, uh, and everything. And just by the way, I'm actually calling them, them travel journeys now because after having a, quote, trip in Colombia, I don't need any more trips and broken ankles. So okay. I'm, having a, <laughs> I'm having a journey, not a trip. You don't want to trip anymore. <laughs> no more trips. No more trips. Good. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Thanks for having me. Bye. So long.